Hello, my name's Alex. Um, I'm reading the Bible for us today from Philippians, the first 11 verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the, for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'm going to kind of scoot in the middle. Good morning, everybody. Thank, thank you for coming again. <laughs> After last week, I thought, oh, I don't think anyone's going to come back. It was 45 minutes, and oh, I'm not sure if you're used to that. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Darwin. I, I'm, I'm new here. I'm the new, I'm the new minister. This is my second week. I'm still trying to figure things out. Uh, if you are new, you are incredibly welcome here. We love having you here today. And hopefully you'll stick around for morning tea afterwards. Uh, and hopefully all of us as a church family can look out for people who are new and make sure that they feel welcome. Uh, we have a Christ, we have a God who has gone out to save people who are outside, to reach out to those who are outside. That, that should be what our church is like too. Always having open arms, ready to reach out to those who are outside of us. And especially today, uh, we're beginning really, this is the beginning of a, a, a series proper on Philippians. And I, I wanna say, whoever suggested this book for the last few weeks, I wanna say thank you very much. Who suggested it, by the way? Oh, David Coy, I'll, I'll, I'll write him a card. Uh, and I'm not embarrassed I was thinking about this, should I be embarrassed to ask you? I decided I am not embarrassed to ask you to read it because I really need you to fight for me. And if you read this book, that means to pray for me, to encourage me, to listen, to provide, to submit even to my leadership and as I teach the word of God and to correct me when I'm wrong. Uh, in fact, I ordered 10 copies from Kurong uh, on Monday. Unfortunately, only one arrived. Um, so there'll be more next week, but I wonder who this one copy will go to. I'm gonna pay very close attention to. Uh, this is available for you. I, I really, I wanna invest to giving you these books uh, so that you will fight for me. So if you haven't read it, pick up a copy. I've got the one copy that arrived. I'm gonna put it at morning tea at the back uh, or 
uh, and it's my gift to you. Unfortunately, there's only one copy, so if this one is taken, the evening, the evening service won't have a copy to give, to take. But today's sermon, I, I'm, I want to ask you not just to fight for me. Uh, in fact, I, I want you to fight for each other. I want you to fight for each other. Let's pray before we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that in your kindness and generosity and in your goodness, you continue to be with us. You speak to us. You didn't just give us some good things and then leave us all alone. Your word continued to speak to us, to guide us. Your word continued to change us and mold us and bring us comfort and encouragement. Your word continued to point us to the Lord Jesus because that is where our hope lies. And so, Father, we pray with expectation that you would do something in us as we come to your word being preached. Even as we came to your word in song and in prayer and as the Bible was read to us, we know you are already at work and we ask that you continue to be at work now. Please be with me, your humble servant. Help me to preach your word faithfully and clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. So please have your Bibles open uh, or your devices. And again, if, if you need the sermon outline, it's actually the full sermon text. You can pick it up outside. Uh, I'll try to make that available. I'll try to really work really hard to make that available uh, to, to you. We are fast forwarding 10 years since our last passage, that is Acts chapter 16. So we fast forward 10 years, and now we find ourselves around probably 60 or 62, 61 AD, and Paul wrote this letter. 10 years ago, as we read last week, Paul was in prison in Philippi, and now he is imprisoned in Rome. Uh, He's actually under house arrest. People could come and visit him, but he would have a soldier guarding him 24 hours a day. And most likely, he would be physically chained to that guard. I don't know which is better, to be Paul or to be the guard, or which is worse. But they're chained up together 24 hours a day. So as you read this letter, I want you to imagine Paul being in chains unsure about his future, whether he will live or die, but still he was busy doing ministry. That hasn't stopped him from doing ministry. People will come to him and he would preach the gospel to them. People will come to him and he would teach them the way of the Lord Jesus. And even the guy who was chained to him, well, he gets to hear all those things too. He gets to hear the gospel preach. And he would write letters to churches. And one of those letters is this one. He probably dictated that letter with Timothy as his scribe, and that is why he said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is a really pretty standard way. This is how Paul would start his letters. But notice now, 10 years after, there are overseers and deacons. This is a church that has maybe have grown, maybe in number, maybe in maturity. 10 years has passed. 
And it's also pretty standard, and this is our structure today. He would thank God for this church that he's writing to, and then he would tell them what he's praying for them. And so here's the first one, full of thanksgiving for the church that he's writing to in verse three. Have a look with me in verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. But there is something really special about the church in Philippi, something that sets them apart, something that gives Paul such great joy when he prays for them. Look with me in verse four. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, in verse five, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These were the people who rallied alongside Paul. His ministry, Paul's ministry, were their ministry. They have loved him, supported him, prayed for him, provided for him. They have fought for him. Paul puts it this way in verse seven. So we're jumping to verse seven and he says this, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You see that word, they shared in whatever Paul was doing. Whether he was out doing gospel work or whether he was in chains. And I wonder if you notice, it's interesting the way Paul used that word grace. It's interesting, isn't it? Paul sees himself in the grace of God even when he's in chains. Now, there's a lot more to say about that in later chapters, but the point here is the Philippians stood by him, supported him, they did not abandon him. Within, in that 10 years, they walked alongside Paul. In fact, when everyone left, they were there. They stuck around. Uh, let me show it to you in chapter four, verse 15. We're gonna jump to chapter four, verse 15. Paul said, this. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, when he left Philippi, that surrounding region of Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Do you see that? Everyone left, but they stuck around. I don't know who locks up at the end of morning tea or last cuppa. Whoever you are, we should thank you. I, I imagine it's a pretty lonely job. I've been in situations in my old church where I'm left alone cleaning up and locking up and holding the broom by myself. I'm left there holding the broom by myself at the end of the night when everyone else is gone. But if you have that person, another person who stays behind with you, everyone's gone, they had a good time and they've left and one person decided that I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with you, I'm gonna help you clean up. I'll, I'll be the last person with you to lock up and go home. Now that feels like partnership, doesn't it? And no wonder Paul is so thankful here. But here's another thing that Paul is really thankful for. He is thankful for the work of God in them. He is so thankful that God is at work in them. 
Let me show it to you. Back to verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Such confidence in the work of God. God started this work in the Philippians. He planted the seed of faith in them through Paul's preaching. Remember Paul going to the side of the river, teaching them about Jesus, and people came to faith. The jailer who turned to faith when he asked, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in his name. This is true for you and your household. And that faith is grown after 10 years, that faith is grown and it's producing fruit and, and that's not all. Paul is saying here, God finishes what he starts. Their faith will reach its completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God will see to it because God finishes what he starts. He doesn't start a project and then abandon it. I had a great idea a few years ago. I wanted to teach my children to pray for missionaries around the world, and actually I want to teach myself to be prayerful and regularly praying for missionaries around the world. So I bought this beautiful print of a map of the world, printed on canvas, quite a large print, one and a half meters by one meter, something that looks like this. I was planning to build a frame for it, Myself, I was going to hang it in my study. I was going to show my kids where our link missionaries are. I'll, I'll put photos of our link missionaries at their location in that map. And I would hang it in my study, and I would bring my children there, and I have this image of, of showing my children, let's pray for these people, let's pray for these people, and praying for them one by one, and seeing that God is at work in the world and not, and not, just, not just here in our backyard. Uh, let, me, let me show you what I've done with it. Here it is. It's still on the shelf in the garage. I have to actually look for it. I'm really glad I still brought it with me from the old house. Friends, I, I want to tell you today that you will not be abandoned. You will not be left on the shelf. What God has started in you, he will finish. You might not think you're going to get there, but he will get you there. Whether it's a struggle with a specific sin, whether it's just growing in your love for the lost, whether it's learning to please God rather than please people, whether it's overcoming a particular trauma, whether it's learning to forgive, God will get you there in the end. He will not leave you on that shelf forgotten. And on the day of Christ, you will be there. No more tears, no more pain, no more self-loathing. No more wondering whether people like you or not. No more wondering if you matter. No more hurt and no more sin. That would be a wonderful day, wouldn't it? And God will get you there. 
But because of their partnership in the gospel, because of God's work in them, Paul has such real affection for them. In verse eight, he says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so he prays for them. And this is his prayer for them. A prayer that comes from his heart, from his affection for them. When you ask parents, what do you pray for your children? And if I get a chance to meet up with you, and if you happen to be a parent, you will know that I will ask you that question. What what do you pray for your children? Because your answer tells you what's important to you. It tells you your vision for your children. Well, this prayer tells us Paul's vision for the church in Philippi. This is Paul's vision for the Philippians. This is what Paul desires for them. Let me read to you verse nine. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ through the glory and praise of God. What a wonderful vision for the church in Philippi. This is Paul's vision, a a church that is abounding in love. Love is everywhere. When people walk in, the first thing they will say is, wow, these people love each other. Look at the way they speak to each other. Look at the gentleness they, they, they have towards one another. Look at the way they serve without being asked, without grumbling. They just give themselves in service to each other. People are jumping in to fill the rosters. So many people want to bring morning tea and set up the chairs or or cook for dinner or whatever it is. Look at the way they, look at the way they forgive each other. Even even when they had been hurt in the past. Look at the way they look out for each other, especially the, the one who is most vulnerable in the community. Look at the way they pray for each other and encourage each other. That's, that's a church abounding in love. What a great vision for a church. And it's not just empty love. It's love, you notice, it's love grounded in knowledge and depth of insight. That means knowing what is good and what is not. That can only come from studying the Bible, studying the scriptures carefully, learning from God, because they don't just want to love each other. They want everyone in the church, look at the goal, is to be pure and blameless on the day of Jesus. What a great vision for the church. What a great prayer for the church. And verse 11, Paul prays that they would be fruitful, filled with the fruit of righteousness. I think this means acts of obedience and acts of love and acts of repentance. I think this means more people being saved because we're actually concerned about those who are outside. I think this means people will hear the word of God and God will produce fruit in them. Lives changed and transformed. But notice, and I think this is really important for us, all these things come not from their own efforts, 
Paul is not saying, go home and try harder, be better. Paul wants fruit that comes through Jesus Christ. Fruit that comes from Jesus Christ working in each and every one of them. Not fruit that comes from just go home and try harder, be better. It's fruit that comes from resting and depending on Jesus and allowing God's spirit, the spirit of Jesus to work in each of them. And when that happens, see who gets the glory. If this is fruit that comes from our own effort, from our own competency, from our own skills, who gets the glory? We get the glory, we can go to God, look at how good we are, God, but look at, who, look at here, who, who gets the glory? God gets all the glory. What a great prayer. What a great vision for the church. Let's think of some applications now for us. How does this passage apply to us? What does it mean for us here at Epping Presbyterian Church? I think this passage very clearly talks about partnership in the gospel. It has to say something about our partnership in the gospel here at Epping Presbyterian Church at EPC. Firstly, I hope you would partner with me. When I told my children, we're moving to Epping Presbyterian Church because I'm gonna be the minister at this church. And they asked me, they turned to me and asked me, does that mean you're gonna be the boss of the church? I was shocked that they would think that. And I said to them, no, no, I'm not going to be the boss. I am their minister. Do you know what minister means? What does minister mean? Servant. Unfortunately, that word is now used, it's like some ministers is, is, is such a high position. But minister means servant. The senior minister is the senior servant. The lead minister is the lead servant. And I told them, I'm gonna be their servant. I've come to be their servant. But I want you to know, I've, I've come to serve you in a particular way. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 11 describes it really well. Here's Ephesians 4 verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and this is his role, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My job is to serve you, but it's a particular kind of service. It's the work of equipping you Equipping people for works of service so that the whole church can be built up because we all need to do it together. I have not come to do all the ministry myself. I have not come to do all the visitations myself. I have not come to care for people pastorally myself. I have not come to encourage you myself. I have not come even to teach the Bible to you myself. I have not come to do all the other works of service that we need doing in this church myself. I have come to help each and every one of you do the works of service that God has prepared for each of you to do. Yes, I will encourage you. Yes, I'm going to visit you. Yes, I'm going to love you and pastorally care for you. Yes, I will teach the Bible to you. 
week in and week out, in person and in small groups and in big groups. I will do all those things wholeheartedly, but my greatest passion is so that each and every one of you will do all those things together to one another. Because that is the only way I know the Bible tells me that the church will grow. It's great that you wanna fight for me, but I think one thing that this book doesn't tell you is I hope you would partner with me. That I hope you would be fellow workers of the gospel with me. If you call EPC your home, my job is to help you, equip you, encourage you so that you can be doing your part to build Epping Presbyterian Church because I cannot do that myself and God has never designed the church to be like that. I need partners. I need people to work with me. I need all of you to work with me. We, we need all of you. We need teachers to teach at Epic Kids. We need volunteers to teach SRE. Do you know that's a new school opening in Epping South? Kelly had been praying that they would allow scripture there, but we don't have any teachers. We need helpers for Holiday Club, which is coming up in July. Pirates need the gospel too. We need helpers for Friday Club. What a great way to be in contact with the community. Non-Christians are coming in. We need people to set up morning tea. We need welcomers up the front, people to say hello as we come in. We need musicians to lead in song to lead us in prayer, to, to read the Bible. We need growth group leaders. We need one another to follow each other up. And by the looks of it, we need doctors in the congregation. There are heaps and heaps of things that we all need to do together. Some people have asked me, Dalman, what's your priority in Epping for the next few months? Uh, let me tell you, my priority in, in the next few months is to work with the staff and the session to build trust and cohesion in the leadership team of the church. We want an effective, healthy, loving, prayerful, God-dependent team of leaders leading this church. Please pray for all of us so that I can help them, equip them, encourage them so that we together as a leadership team can lead the church together. I, I need you to help me pray for these things. In many more months to come, we'll be working on how do we do growth groups well? What does that look like? What are the roles of growth group leaders? We need to work on how do we welcome people in? How do we do that well? I was, I was speaking to Peter Bolfin this week and we talked about outreach and we're thinking about how do we, how do we reach this community, this 30,000 people who live in Epping and half a million who live in 15 to 20 minute drive around of Epping, how do we reach them with the gospel? Can you see, we all need to do this together. And yes, we need better structures so that each of you can use the gifts that God has given you to serve the church, whatever that may be. You got graphic design skill, come and talk to me. Are you really good with kids? Come and talk to me. Go and talk to Kelly. 
Do you love talking to strangers? Come. Use your gifts. Please partner with me. Please do not leave me holding the broom by myself. When I pray for you, I want to be able to say like Paul, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. But like I said from the very beginning, I don't want you just to fight for me or partner with me. I want you to partner with each other because we're in this together. Let me ask you this question. What will hold us together as a church? What's gonna be the one thing that brings us together as Epping Presbyterian Church? What's gonna hold us together and propel us forward to do God's work? Is the vision to be a big church again? I heard EPC was like 400, and 400 to 500 people on a, every Sunday. Now we're down to 130 to 140 on a Sunday. Is our common vision to get back to where we were five years ago? In some people's mind, that was peak, peak Epping Presbyterian Church. Maybe for others, no, 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 that wasn't five years ago. It was 15 years ago. It was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. That was peak EPC. And we want to go back right there. Friends, the dream of going back there is not going to hold us together. If the dream is to be a big church, if that's, not that a big church is bad. I, I do pray that God will grow us in numbers so that we can be more effective in doing his work. But maybe small is better too. But if the dream is being a big church, that's our goal especially so that we can feel like we're better than the other churches around here, we're just gonna compete with them because we have more people in our pews than they have people in their pews. That's not gonna last, that's not gonna hold us together because we're gonna start treating people as numbers. If a particular church tradition or worship preference if that is the thing that's gonna hold us together, that's not gonna last either. In fact, I think it will divide us We'll be like the world, trying to out-politic each other. So the question again, friends, what will make our partnership strong? What will hold us together? A couple of years ago, I was watching um, the show Insight on SBS. They were talking about how Australian society has lost our religion. And there was a story about this man who started, started basically a secular church, a non-religious church. They, it's called a Sunday Assembly uh, in Canberra. It's really church, but for agnostics and atheists. So these are non-religious people who would form a community together. They, they desire a community, somewhere they can come together every week. They would come to do Sunday assembly every week, sing some songs and have different people talk about something interesting, I don't know, about like composting or meditation or EV cars or whatever it is. I don't know, I'm making it up. They would even do charity together. So it's very much like church. They were building a community. It started really well. A couple of hundred people showed up. They quickly grew as word spread out in Canberra. People joined them, but after a while, after a year or two, it started fizzling out and it closed down. What struck me was his honesty. 
as he was reflecting on his experience on the show, he said this, and I quote, we tried to make it meaningful, but it felt like it was missing something. It was missing something bigger than all of us. What will hold us together as a church? What will be that something bigger than all of us in our partnership with each other? How will we be different from Sunday assembly? I think Paul tells us what it is in this passage. I think it's the fact that God is working in us, in each and every one of us. If you are a believer of Jesus, if, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are born again, you have the Spirit in you and the Spirit is working in each and every one of us. That's the one thing that we share. And you know what? He is working in us. He will take us to that final day. He will not abandon us. He will not leave us on that shelf. That's the goal. That's the final destination. Is That's what's bigger than all of us. That's what the Sunday assembly does not have. The work of God in our lives to bring us to the day of Christ. That's Paul's vision for the church in Philippi, that they would be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, we will stand shoulder to shoulder and we will look around and say, we've made it. Here we are, we're, we're all here. Where's Jane? Oh, there's Jane. Where's June? Oh, there's June. That's the goal, isn't it? I ran a half marathon many, many years ago. It was my one and only time. It's still a dream to one day do it again and maybe make it a marathon. And I remember reaching the finish line. I was, I was totally exhausted. Finally finished the, the, the finish line. It was exhilarating. I did it. I've arrived. Finally, all that training. But you know what the best thing was? I ran with a friend. He was much faster than me, so he got there earlier. But when I got there, he was waiting for me with a big smile on his face. We both finished our race together. I don't know what we did. We high-fived maybe. I'm, I'm sure we didn't hug. And even better, our family was there at the finish line waiting for us. I think if I had finished it myself and no one else was there and I was just go there, oh yeah, I'm here. Oh, that's great. It would have been much, much of a lesser experience. But do you see the vision is to get there together? Each and every one of us. That's our goal, isn't that? Is, is that? Isn't that our grand vision that unites us together? To get to that day of Jesus Christ when he returns and all of us there together. Those who've been there years ahead of us. And you look around, that's the guy I met up with and read the Bible with. That's, wasn't that the man who, who came to us through Friday Club? Isn't our vision the picture of the church that is abounding in love, grounded in knowledge and depth of insight, people who are full of love for one another and for God, people who love the word of God, 
people who are filled with the fruit of righteousness, lives transformed and changed, everyone serving the church together, a church full of people who are not just pew warmers, but contributing, working together for the same goal of reaching that finish line together, pure and blameless at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we want, brothers and sisters? Isn't that what we want? A church that lives for the praise and the glory of God. Not so that people will think that we're much better than everyone else around this area, but a church that longs for God to be glorified. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what I want. And I know that is what will hold us together. That's our partnership. So friends, fight for each other. Fight for each other. Don't just fight for your pastor, fight for your elders. That means thank them, encourage them, pray for them, love them, forgive them when they make a mistake, submit to them, fight for Kelly. Thank her. Do you know that she does more than what is in her job description? Thank her for leading a team to teach our children, for doing the kids' talks week in and week out for the last few years. She's been doing it, I think, almost by herself. Fight for Ed. He just wants to serve you. You know, he does so many things behind the scene, in the background, completely unseen by everyone. He just wants that you to be able to be served in this church so that you can serve the church together. Encourage him, love him, thank him, forgive him if he makes a mistake. And look around you. Seriously, look around you. I want you to fight for each other. Make sure that you do all that you can so each one of us are abounding in love, grounded in knowledge and depth of insight. Look around you. Those are the people that you need to encourage so that they are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Pray that through them, through all of us, many more will hear the good news of Jesus and be saved. Fight for them, fight for us, so that we together would be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. That is what is going to hold us together. Let's pray. Father God, we give you praise. that you are at work in each and every one of us. From the moment we, we heard the gospel and we put our trust in the good news of Jesus and we surrender ourselves to you and we wholeheartedly give our future into your hands. We know, Lord, your spirit is in us and you are at work and you will not abandon us. You will get us to the end. But not only that, you have brought us together so that we can get there together. 
oh God, how we long to be the kind of church that Paul is talking about here. We pray that Paul's prayer will be our prayer for Epping Presbyterian Church. Please help us to fight for each other. Help us to persevere in the ups and downs, in the hills and the valleys of life until we get to that final day when we will see you face to face and what great rejoicing it will be. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.